Hi, I'm Eric, and this is the Loper family. Uh, today's reading is from Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 in the message. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. (laughs) Now he's using you. Fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone, that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Good morning, church. My name is Jedediah Kim, and I'm one of the pastors at Pine Lake Covenant Church. I'm so glad to be worshiping with you this morning. It's good to be together. We've been in a sermon series called We the Church, where Pastor Sharon has been leading us in the book of Ephesians. And we've been kind of really looking at the question of who we are and what it is that God has for us. And we've been going through some amazing teachings about our glorious heritage, about our abundant resources, about the grace of God that is ever present for us and in abundant supply. And it's truly been a time of... um, reevaluating and realigning ourselves with the truth of what God's word says about who we are. And this morning, I'd like to pick up on a very similar theme in a sermon that I have titled, Our True Identity. And uh, I'd like to talk about this in a different kind of a way. Normally, when I prepare sermons, I like to think of the teaching that I like to portray or I try to think of a story or something that kind of narrates things together. And this week, as I was preparing for this, I realized that I really wanted to just kind of um, share what was on my heart, almost kind of like a heart-to-heart letter from me to you about uh, this passage of scripture that has moved me and really struck me pretty profoundly. And so it's going to feel a little different, and I hope that... um, regardless of what it may be like, uh, that God will use it to speak to us uh, as in the ways that he has done for me. These days, many people around the world say, say that times have changed and that things have changed. And people say that they're so different that they will never go back to the way that it was before. Now, on most days, I have to admit, I tend to believe them. I mean, everything about my daily life has changed. We live in an apartment complex that's right behind Met Market. And in our apartment complex, we have social distancing guidelines and protocols. Every day, I have to make sure that I wear a mask when I'm in the hallways or in the elevator or taking out the trash. Uh, I have to make sure that my daughter is also wearing a mask. When we stand in the elevator, you know, which is like a little cube, we have to stand in diagonals as far apart as possible if we're going to be in there. Uh, But the preferred practice is that one family is in at the elevator at a time. So the way that I've resided in my everyday life has changed. Uh, When I go grocery shopping or when I go out to eat, that's also changed. I love going out to eat. 
I love sitting around a table and eating food. My wife will tell you that the best part about eating out for me is not having to do dishes or the cleanup afterwards. It's the greatest gift. I mean, I feel like Sarah is an amazing cook and I can hold my own in the kitchen and we can make restaurant quality food that I'm pretty satisfied with. But the best part is the cleanup. Now I know that we can go eat now and it's open, but it's really not the same as it used to be. Partly because, you know, the noise and the ambiance is part of the appeal when you're in certain places. Now most of the eating out I do is done through takeout. And even when we do that, we've got to wear masks and be mindful of that. You know, my wife and I, we love to go play uh, in the park with our kids. We love to go walking. And even that has changed. We've got to wear a mask and be mindful of who we run into and how we run into each other. We go walking at Lower Sammamish Commons Park pretty regularly. And it's such a fascinating thing to see how people navigate this. We'll be walking down the trail and some people will walk in what I call these orbits. Right? So you'll see two people walking like this towards each other, and then they'll hit each other, and then as they get close, they'll go like this to avoid each other. And we've become really good at it. It's kind of a do si do kind of dance, um, a dance move that you do to kind of make way. So walking in a park and entertaining ourselves has changed. There's so much that has changed. Even the way that we have been engaging in church life has changed. Uh, we've made this digital trans and we've been in there and we continue to do so and we're still thinking of creative innovative ways you know as we navigate this until we feel that it's truly safe and truly worthwhile um, for us to be together of course like being apart is sad but we want to make sure that we can provide true safe experiences and we want to make sure that we can um, craft experiences worship experiences that really do speak to who we are and allow people to connect to god and so it's changed. And I can tell you the digital conversion has been difficult and fun and creative and difficult. Uh, so many people give so much time uh, to making what we do happen on a weekly basis. And I'm so grateful for them. You know, I'm thinking about Eric Brune and Scott Jones and Mark Jones and all the band members who spend time and all the people who sing in choir parts and, of course, the staff and everyone. Uh, it's just a ton, a ton of work. And, um, and I've learned how to do video editing and audio editing, and I didn't know how to do that before. But now I can be a, a video engineer and a director and a producer and an audio engineer if I want to be, I guess. And so when people say that the world has changed, sometimes I believe them. Sometimes I tend to think that, yeah, you know, it's really different and maybe it'll never be the same again. I guess there's a question, though. I've been asking myself as I prepared for this sermon, has the church changed? Has the church changed? I can say that the way that I have to walk in my apartment complex or go grocery shopping or worship in a church or go out to the park has changed, but, but has the church changed? I'm more slow um, to answer that question in the affirmative. Some might say, well, yes, of course the church has changed. Look how differently we're doing worship. But that's not what I'm really talking about. You see, the church has a true identity. We have um, an identity that has been true from the very beginning, is true, and will be true. 
And I believe that Paul's writings to the church in Ephesus speak to that this morning. I love the uh, the reading that the Loper family did for us, and I love Luke and his energy, his creativity. Um, and yeah, it's just fun to watch. I'm so glad that he's a part of our church family. I want to read this passage again for you. I think it speaks a lot of truth, and I want us to be able to hear um, the words that it says about who the church is, about who we are, and about whether or not we have changed. This is uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 19 through verse 22. I'm reading from the message. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. If you look in chapter 2, a bit before this passage, you'll know that Paul is writing specifically to Gentile Christians. And he's telling them, the Gentile Christians, that they have a place to belong because they felt like they weren't a part of the Christian community at times in the early church. They questioned it. Part of the reasoning for this was that there was one of the great controversies in the early church was um, about whether Gentiles should follow Jewish law and do the same things that Jews had been doing forever. And so in the New Testament, in the book of Acts and in Paul's letters, you see all of this talk about circumcision and um, whether the Gentiles should be circumcised like the Jews are. That was a sign of the Abrahamic blessing and promise, a sign of God's covenant on the Jewish people, uh, whether they should follow the ritualistic laws that had been established. And what you see is that there's a group of Christians who are arguing and saying that they absolutely should follow the Jewish laws and practice the Jewish ways. And then there's Paul Another group of Christians who are saying, no, that freedom in Christ is a different kind of identity and that we're set free from the law. And so when he writes this letter, he's writing to a group of people who feel alienated. They feel separated and are questioning their belonging within the Christian community. And so that's why he says that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. Jesus has made it possible for you, O Gentile Christian, to be a part of his family and his home. You're no longer isolated or estranged or separated. You know, we experience separation um, in the church and in God's family. We experience that feeling of isolation, sometimes because of things like this. In in that example, it was because of a, a religious difference of practice, um, a cultural one, an ethnic one. And there are times when the church can feel like um, a place that's divided by those things. And people question, do I really belong here? 
And maybe you're in that kind of a place today where you're like, you know, I have this certain theological view or um, I'm of a particular ethnicity or I have a certain political view or I have a certain uh, way that I do things in my life. Do I belong here? If you profess Jesus as Lord and you place your trust in him, yes, of course you do. This is your home. The church is not a place that is divided by those kinds of divisions. Jesus took the hostility that existed between those divisions, Paul says in Ephesians 2, and he made a way to bring them together. And so if you're feeling isolated and questioning your place of belonging because of those kinds of differences, the answer is you belong here and this is your home. These days, more than ever, we're also experiencing a different kind of isolation. For many of us, we're really struggling because we're separated. We can't meet in this sanctuary like we used to. We can't come through the doors and be greeted by Preston or by Chase and by Jose and Austin people who are so friendly, but Maxine. We can't drink Dwayne's coffee or Steve's coffee. Um, we can't go to the cafe, enjoy our time there from Jacob or, or one of the um, Pine Lake youth members who make us an awesome drink. We can't have um, donuts and try to scarf our mouth down as quickly as possible before service starts. Or in the middle of service, I've seen this happen too, as we step out really quickly, grab a donut on the way back. We can't come into the sanctuary and find our place to sit with our family, get situated, and be led into worship and lift songs together. It's not something that we're able to do. It's not something that we're able to experience. We all worship right now in a kind of separated way. And as we walk our own journeys, I guess it's almost apt to say that sometimes we could feel like exiles, separated from each other and unable to be here. I think that this word also encourages us um, when we experience that kind of separation or we feel that. Paul says, you're not wandering exiles. There's a home, a place that you belong to. And I know that all of the examples I just said and our images that we think about is this home, this physical place of belonging. When we tell someone we go to church, we come here. When we tell someone that I'm at church, we come here. When we say meet at church, we say here. 1715, 228th Avenue, Southeast. Sammamish, Washington, finally covenant church. And so I know it feels weird when I say that we have a home and, and that we're not exiles because it seems like, well, to return from our exile would be to return here. But the home that Paul is talking about is a little different. The home that Paul is talking about is our true identity. And this is what he says. God is building a home, a building, um, a residing place. He's building that, a home. And he's using us all irrespective of how he got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. And now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as a cornerstone that holds all the parts together.
the home that God is building, the church that he is building is us. It's you and me. And Paul writes to the Ephesian Christians and he tells us 2,000 years later the same truth that we belong here in this home that irrespective of how we got here, God is using us as bricks. He's using us as stones. And the foundation upon which we are built are the prophets and the apostles. We're being built on top of that. Brick by brick, stone by stone. With Christ as the cornerstone. The stone that that kind of locates us and, and holds everything together. This is the building that God is building. This is the church. It's not these walls. It's not this building. It's not this space. But the church is you and me. This spiritual home that God is building. Now, the question that it leads me to is, well, what's the purpose of this home? Why is God building this home? And it says here in the last part of the verse, as I come really close to closing, we see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. God is building a home where we are the bricks built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And that home is for him. We, the church, are the dwelling place of God. We are the dwelling place of God. A home in which he is quite comfortable in. This home goes beyond time or space. It goes beyond just physical boundaries and walls. There's something profoundly spiritual here about our true identity. The way that we worship is really, really different. I will 100% agree with you on that. We can't do the things we used to do. We can't gather together or meet at church the way we used to do. But the answer to the question, has the church changed? The answer to that, according to this, is an affirmative no. Why is that? Because this church, the one that you and I are a part of, of which Christ is the head and we are the body, of where he is the cornerstone and we are being built into this place, it's not something that is um, held here in this physical space. It's a spiritual home in which God himself dwells. That home has not been affected by this pandemic. That home cannot be destroyed by anything because God is the one who built it. That home literally is the place where God dwells. He protects that home. He keeps that home. He cherishes that home. He is the one that is building that home. 
You know, when I think about this, it reminds me of um, Peter's confession in the Gospels. When Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are, you know, Jesus Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, right? Simon Barjona, blessed are you, you know, for saying this. And, and he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. It's the first time Jesus really talks about the church, like the word church. What does he say right after it? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Not this place. Talking about this spiritual home in which God dwells. I'm talking about you and me. Us. We, the church. Now, why does this give me encouragement? Why does it give me hope? Why does it compel me to talk with you like this? Because honestly, honestly, life has been challenging. It's not been easy. I don't think for any of us it's been easy. It's been about six months now, half a year that we have been in this. And there is no end in sight. We really don't have a clue about what's going to happen. Now, I know there's a lot of different opinions on, on whether the response is right or wrong or whether it's you know truly a concern as much as, and I know I, I respect all that. We're trying to take the most safest, cautious course, conservative course possibly, um, because we want to protect human lives and we think that's important. That's a decision from the church's leadership and we've made as a team. Pastor Sharon, I know I've talked about that. But the church, the spiritual home that God is building, that Paul is talking about here, a pandemic can't destroy that home. It can't affect that home. You and I are being built up. And not just with ourselves, but with all the Christians that came before us and all the Christians in our city and all the Christians all around the world. The church has been through many, many difficult times in its history. It's been through some very, very challenging moments. And God has kept it together piece by piece. And so for me, when I read this verse, it... um, It gives me encouragement and it gives me hope because what I see is that our true identity is a spiritual home that is the dwelling place of God. That home cannot be destroyed. It cannot be altered. It cannot be changed because God himself is building it. And Jesus Christ, the one who overcame death, hell, and the grave is the cornerstone. I long for the day when we'll be back in here again. And it's true, you know, um, even when we get back in here, uh, it may be different. You can see the chairs behind me. We're experimenting a bit with just setup and getting a feel for what it could feel like. I do believe though, that there will be a day beyond that when things will be as they were. And we'll be able to sing again, and gather again and eat donuts again. And I'll be able to see my daughter run around and play among you and be free and uh, jump up on the stage in the middle of worship. And one of my favorite moments that I miss is uh, as a worship leader, as a worship pastor, 
you know, as you lead people in worship, you get to a point in the song where, you know, you see me do it a lot, where I'll step back from the mic and allow you, to, the church, to sing. And it's so holy and profound to hear um, all of your voices echo in the sanctuary. It wasn't as loud when I first got here, but um, before the pandemic, we, you all would sing. We would really sing. And I close my eyes and it helps me to imagine what heaven will be like. I absolutely believe that we will one day experience those moments again. At the same time, I also absolutely believe that the church is the same. It has been before the pandemic and during the pandemic and past the pandemic. Because the church that I'm a part of, that you're a part of, is the dwelling place of God. It is the place that God is building up with Jesus as the cornerstone. And so you and I are no longer exiles. We're not separated from God because of a difference of opinion or a theological belief. That's not the kind of place this home is. Every brick, um, every stone has purpose. It's built around the cornerstone with meaning. You and I... We are the church, the dwelling place of God. You belong here, and I belong here. And the gates of hell will not prevail against that place. No attack will um, prevail against that place. You and I are, um, we are no less united than we ever have been before. Because the church has always been church. As we turn to the table at communion, I encourage you to live into this truth, to walk in this truth, to know that you are part of something truly profound. You are a part, the dwelling place of God, a home that he is quite comfortable in. It's been so good to be in worship with you this morning. It's been good to be together at the table and in prayer and to sing songs in this way or to listen to them um, if you don't sing them with your family members in the living room. Uh, I'm grateful for all of you. I love you all and I miss you all. And as you go into this week, um, I hope and pray that you will truly know that you belong here. And by here, I, I don't mean this place. I mean the spiritual home that God dwells in, that building that is you and me. It's an amazing thing to think that that we are um, a space that God literally dwells in. It's it's not a metaphor. I, I need you to understand that it's not a metaphor. It is who we are. God dwells between me and you. Let me say this prayer of blessing over you as you go. May you know the truest extent of our true identity. That there's nowhere you can be where you're all by yourself. Because you are connected to generations and generations of those who profess Jesus as Lord. You are connected to Christ, the cornerstone. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be united with all believers as the dwelling place of God. May you live in that truth this week. Blessings, friends.